The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. And for those watching at home and not just listening, I'm now very self-conscious because I realized I ate an everything bagel right before the show and don't know if I checked my teeth. So look forward to seeing maybe some leftover poppy seeds in my teeth. And if you're watching the uh, if you're listening to the audio version, you're missing out on some great Easter eggs. But they're not eggs. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're here, of course, to talk about a lot more important things than what's going on in my mouth. Uh, I keep saying things that I probably shouldn't be saying, so I'll move right along. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hello. Lucy O'Brien. I want someone to clip out that last sentence and just leave it hanging and isolated. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And Max Coville. Yeah, I ate a fistful of cashews before we started recording, and I had like chia pudding for lunch, so I'm sorry I've got all sorts of, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes photos stuck in my teeth or whatever. (laughs) I'm allergic to cashews, so I would be dead. Uh, But to move on to more exciting news, we actually have a lot of exciting things to talk about in the life of PlayStation gamers and gamers everywhere, because there's uh, a lot of really, really big news when it comes to uh, some third-party games that we're going to get into in just a second. Uh, Naturally, I assume PlayStation will probably announce something huge in between when we post this and when it goes live, but at least we have something else big to talk about. And of course, uh, I I think there's no reason not to just jump right into it. Uh, The big news, of course, this week is we're going to get more Star Wars games, and they're not from Electronic Arts. Uh, the Lucasfilm games on Monday announced sort of a rebranding for itself. So just to kind of go in chronological order on Monday, uh, they announced Lucasfilm games, the return of a brand that preceded LucasArts, uh, for Lucas, uh, but my girlfriend was like, why don't they just call it Lucas games? It's so much easier than Lucasfilm games, but whatever. Seconded. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. It, it would Lucasfilm roll off games is stupid. Well, Lucas Games is a popular YouTuber. He's uh, 11 years old and he loves to play Roblox. And he's got 30 million followers. Uh, But of course, that was announced on Monday. And then Tuesday, we got the announcement that Machine Games, the developers of the Wolfenstein series owned by Bethesda, of course, and we'll get into that in a little bit, are working on a brand new Indiana Jones game, which got a CG teaser trailer and beyond that, not much else. Uh, And then, of course, uh, today, as the show is going up, we've also learned that Ubisoft announced it's collaborating with Lucasfilm Games on a new uh, story-driven open-world video game set in the beloved Star Wars galaxy. So reading directly 
directly from the press release, uh, just to make sure we have all the official wording. Uh, headed by Massive Entertainment, Ubisoft's critically acclaimed AAA studio based in Malmo, Sweden. The project gathers some of the most experienced, innovative talent in the video game industry and will make the most of Massive's cutting-edge technologies, including the Snowdrop engine, to deliver a groundbreaking Star Wars adventure. Uh, there's no information about platforms or a release date or anything uh, gameplay-wise details about this, uh, but this is, uh, of course, Massive is the studio that is working on uh, the Division series and previously had been announced to be working on a uh, Avatar game. Uh, as of the time that we're recording this episode, so something may have changed, definitely check out IGN, but we've uh, checked in for more information on the status of that Avatar game, and I don't have anything to report at this time. My assumption is they're probably focused on Star Wars at this point. I can um, give you an update. <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead. As the, don't you as, start with that. As the <laughs> nope. resident Avatar fan, Brian. Nobody likes Avatar and everyone likes Star Wars. So they decided to not <laughs> make an Avatar game and make a Star Wars game instead. They're looking at their income and they're like, we could, well, we can make a hundred dollars or we can make a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> when should was that? <laughs> when was that like Avatar game? Was it 2009? the uh, the movie and the know, game i think were 2009 yeah right right okay so that was my first e3 this is just quick aside i know that this is big news but i went and like and did like a behind the scenes of that avatar game and i swear i've never been like e3 it's always like behind closed doors there's always some degree of security this was like i was meeting the president behind closed <laughs> doors like there was security they were like you, you had to like surrender your mobile phone it was so intense and i honestly was waiting for the second coming with this game but well i mean the, if you think about it the last time that many navi got together their uh tree burned down so they have to be very careful <laughs> um but no i i do want to get into uh, obviously you know the massive taking the sound and what that means for avatar because obviously max uh, I think of any podcast host around IGN, we probably have the most experienced Avatar fan around. Um, I, I thought it I, that's a joke that just keeps. I know, I becoming know. funnier because the movies don't ever come out. Um, what is interesting? Are you, are you is, going to Av are you going to Avacon this? this year? I, <laughs> holding, I say let's, let's not talk about Star Wars at all. Let's just make this entire all about, about Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. For anyone who came in via a Star Wars headline, I'm sorry, this is all going to be about Avatar. Speaking of, my favorite thing was that the Avatar 2 was supposed to come out this year, and there was that tweet from Fox from like five years ago that was like, look forward to the movie, and it's like six kids around a tree. Of course, that movie didn't come out. Anyway, uh, those, the Avatar... those kids just graduated college. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, yeah, they're all working. Uh, they have families. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, this Avatar game was originally announced in 2017. Massive, of course, now is planning to be working on a Star Wars open world story driven game. I think obviously we've seen enough uh, open world story driven Ubisoft games to have an idea of what that means. And I do want to get into what that could mean for the gameplay. But first of all, just we are now seeing Star Wars games outside of EA. This is, of course, precluding the VR games and the Lego games and whatnot, but this is the first presumably console and PC-based Star Wars action game since the EA-Disney partnership uh, earlier in this past decade to be announced. What does that all mean to you? Especially, I know we have obviously a lot of really big Star Wars fans in the cast. Um, what do you all think of this announcement? How, uh, did it take you by surprise? Was it what you were kind of hoping we'd see as this relationship between a and uh, ea and disney kind of would begin to come to a close we would think uh, how does it sit with you guys as we get into it it's great so i've been i've been <laughs> you want to you want to who do you want to do you want you know you, 
I talk first. You talk first. No, um, yeah. I'm more of an Avatar guy. I can hold that. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I've, been, I've been wanting a, an open world Star Wars game forever. I think everyone's kind of been wanting that. Um, I mean, EA, I feel like has more canceled Star Wars games than it has Star Wars games that stuck the landing. I think EA as a publisher typically kind of shoots for the, you know, shoots for the moon. They really want to make like triple quadruple A video games that are super polished and have, you know, no, you know, janky little corners. And like that sort of defies what Star Wars is. And I would so much rather see. Uh, I mean, I feel like Ubisoft uh, frequently ships bigger games on a more consistent basis that maybe they're a little jankier, but they're also like, there's, they're more interesting. There's more stuff going on. Like they're, they, they, I mean, just last fall, they, they dropped what three open world games where you could run around and explore and do stuff. And like, you know, no disrespect to, you know, Jedi fallen order, which was great, but that's like a considerably more linear experience. And, you know, to me, something that's always been fascinating about star Wars is like the world itself and getting to explore those environments. Uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, massive has a, as a experience with this, with the division, the, the big thing that I'm wondering is they say this is a story-driven game. They don't say it's single player. Uh, I mean, The Division is arguably a story-driven game. It's it's rooted in, you know, Tom Clancy lore. I, I really hope this isn't just a Star Wars Destiny-like type of, you know, looter shooter, uh, you know, a shared world experience. But I that being said, if even if it is, the fact that EA not having, a, you know, a monopoly on Star Wars games means that, I don't know... Freaking Insomniac could make a Star Wars game or something like some some mm-hmm. other studio could jump on that and you know take the reins and do something entirely different. But it's it's if nothing else, it just means variety. Yeah, I mean it's it's very easy to be negative about the sort of EA uh, Lucas Star Wars deal that lasted a decade and yielded not a lot because for a lot of those days um, the story was you know almost entirely. Uh, kind of populated by negative news. There was cancellations, there were delays, there were, uh, you know, microtransaction loot boxes, all that, all that stuff. But to come out of it, uh, I, I think that I, w- I want another, you know, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2. I want uh, a Battlefront 3. I want, you know, new content for squadrons. I don't want those to be the only Star Wars games. And so if those things continue to go in perpetuity and alongside that, the license gets opened up to some other, some other players, that is the best possible scenario because it's taking the best of the, of the stuff that came from the EA era, um, which admittedly wasn't like a ton of stuff, but towards the end, I think it got really good. Like anybody that stuck around on Battlefront 2 will tell you that that's one of the best Star Wars games ever made. Like it's phenomenal. Like it took years to get where it needed to get to, but it's, it's pretty feature complete now for something that, shipped you know as basically a pachinko machine with stormtrooper helmets in it and so like we moved on from there and we got fallen order which they've obviously turned into a franchise but the idea of this now being something an ip that gets sent to multiple studios is fantastic because i think that like you're going to get a lot of weird small stuff too i think you're going to see the ubisoft stuff you're going to see the bethesda stuff with um uh, Indiana Jones, obviously, that we'll talk about, but you're you're also, I think, going to maybe see some smaller studios take on some smaller parts of the universe there, and that's God, really awesome. So. You know, yeah. one thing I, I want to say that it, really quick is just we always talk about LucasArts as though that is one studio that put out all the Star Wars games, but they oftentimes were just publishing Star Wars games, and other studios yeah. were handling the actual development. And I think that's the best way to go about it. You know, just really just like farm out the license to people who are capable of handling it well and. You know, obviously not all the LucasArts games were were a huge, you know, huge hit, but like they again, it was you had a lot of variety. You had like 
you know, first person shooters and vehicle combat and fighting games and puzzle games and educational games about building droids. And like, it's, it's fun to see kind of different studios tackle the property in different ways. And God, I hope we get smaller games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with, with you guys. I think that variety um, is, is the most exciting thing here. Uh, I do. I, I do want to see this open world done really well. I think that um, I've, I've got a little bit of open world fatigue. I've, I've been playing Valhalla and Cyberpunk back to back. Um, and one of the things that I'm sort of like a little bit over is seeing these gorgeous worlds with not a hell of a lot of interesting little nooks and crannies to visit. Um, and I think that the Star Wars universe is, you know, so enticing and seductive because of those little nooks and, cr- and crannies, because of those little side characters and those weird uh, you know, a little stumbling across something that you would never expect. And and I really want to see this open world game in particular from Massive uh, really explore that. Now, I haven't played The Division 2. I can't really speak to it. I played The Division. It wasn't particularly interesting to me. I played a hell of a lot of The Division. I played it when I had mono. Um, but, like, I, I you know, I really want to see if this is, if we're going big with this thing, I really want to see an interesting, weird, eccentric world. Like, because that is what Star Wars is to me. Yeah, and, I, yeah. I, I did want to ask what we would all want to see from this open world game, because I, I am thinking of, you know, recent uh, Ubisoft games, and it's often it is centralized around one large, maybe a very large, but one central map, whether it's Immortals and the island that you're on or Assassin's Creed and essentially the two regions that you can go to or Watch Dogs Legion, which is, of course, um, j- just set in uh, London. So with something like this, I mean, with Star Wars, obviously so much of the joy is being able to see the different planets and the different uh, locales that they can go to. Do we think they can make something really interesting and just set it in one place? Like, I, I, I wonder what type of character you would want to be. And, and Brian and Max, definitely, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think, but Brian, I'll start with you. Um, what sort of character would you want to play as in a Ubisoft open world Star Wars game? And where would you want it set? Slash, do you think it can be fun and still just be set on one planet? I mean, your I think your two best options for setting it on one planet are Tatooine and Coruscant, and like they're the most trodden, you know, in a lot of ways. But they're also the most dense. But Tatooine, like you get out into the most of it, and it's just desert, so that gets kind of boring. As for a character, I want an alien. I just want to be an alien. I love aliens in Star Wars. I'm sick of playing Star Wars games where you have to play as a man or a woman. I don't care. If I want to play a game where you star as a human, I will play literally any other game. Like, let me be a goddamn alien. But like, you should be, you should be a puppet. Like, have a, you know, yeah. but like Babu Frank, like, you know, like how, how does that guy even, even move across a, a map? You know, look at his little stick legs. How does that work? I want to see that. That's weird. That would be delightful. Playable Babu Frick. Yeah, I'm going to second Brian on, on Tatooine. I think like Moss Eisley is exactly the right size of an environment. And we've seen it done to death on screen. Like the second that, you know, Mandalorian was like, oh, go to Moss Eisley, go to Tatooine again. OK, we've all been there in every of the friggin movies. Like it's we get it. But in an interactive sense, I feel like the best sandboxy version of Moss Eisley we've seen was in uh, uh, Disney Infinity, which nobody played. Yeah. But that was like awesome. You could ride a speeder bike for the Sarlacc pit to Moss Eisley. You could throw Jawas in the Sarlacc pit. It would throw up. It was great. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's the right size. But yeah, the, the key thing is keeping it smaller scale, like keeping it, uh, you know, keep it like a scum and villainy game. Make it about, you know, day to day life and like the weird, you know, the the weird Moss Eisley denizens, the, you know, scumbag cantina boys and like whatever's going on with like local Jabba politics. But like, don't I mean, I know that they obviously want to 
they're probably going to want to do something big with like with the Jedi and the stormtroopers and the the you know the the poster boys for that you know lovely franchise. But I I think there's a lot of stuff in the margins that hasn't been properly you know explored yet. Uh, I worry about Coruscant. Obviously, that's what thirteen thirteen was doing. I think it's it's almost too big. You know, you run into that situation where you know you're gonna you're gonna find. I mean, if you present players with like here's this massive world and it's like you're gonna be like how big is it? And I mean, the same thing with sort of cyberpunk where. I think a lot of people probably expected Night City to be way bigger than it was. And then, of course, there are the, the many issues with creating a fully populated, major, you know, dense vertical city. That's that's a whole thing. Uh, but again, it's Star Wars. Like you can do you can do basically anything like you can completely make a planet from scratch and just, you know, get get interesting with it. Uh, in addition to playing as an alien, what about playing as a droid? Like what about playing as like an R2 unit or something that could be really interesting? Yeah, I mean, there's I don't know, you get new upgrades and tools and stuff. I think what gets things. what gets really difficult with all this. I mean, this is you know the the first division game took place in Manhattan, which is a, a big sprawling city. But they were constantly like, "Oh no, the bridge is broken. You can't go over there." <laughs> or like, "There's there's a who put garbage in the street? Now you can't go. You can't go to <laughs> you know <laughs> like the, the the West Side Highway or anything like that." And so uh, I, I think that's like they also like didn't really let you go in the buildings and like go up to like the 60th floor or something. Star Wars is weird though. Cause it's like people come into star Wars and they're like, all right, so it's got to have ships that fly everywhere and uh Jedi with magic. And then I guess some guys with guns and you're like, Oh, this is, that's a lot of different video games. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like the, um, although just as an aside, it would be hilarious if like you played as C3PO with just like a constant inner monologue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's interesting, like I, I sort of feel like the the smaller Star Wars goes with its uh storytelling, the bigger the universe feels. Um, I sort of felt like that with the Mandalorian. I mean, I'm not I don't want to spoil any of the of the end uh plot twists for people who haven't seen it. As, but I was gonna say, aside from those sort of like end plot twists, um, I felt like it it, you know, it was a smaller story that made the universe feel much bigger because you weren't seeing the same characters. I mean some of these characters were new to me. I never watched Clone Wars, so forgive me. Um, I'm not a, a real fan. Um, but you know, like I, the the it's a, the sort of the margins, as as Max was saying, like the storytelling in the margins makes that universe feel so much richer and 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 ripe for storytelling. So I, I'm with you guys. Like the, I would prefer to go much smaller, much more focused, um, and stick with a genre, stick with a tone. You know, yeah. like I, 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 I wasn't a big fan of solo, but I admired that it was like, this is what it is. Like, this is the kind of genre that we are working within. And it followed that through to the- this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? 
One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The very end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Amy Hennig game was going to be basically uncharted with with Star Wars. You know, they weren't trying to make a game about being a Jedi. That was what Respawn was doing. And I would say that Respawn managed to check a lot of the boxes of what we expect from Star Wars. And the fact that you went to different planets, you were a Jedi, you had powers. There were stormtroopers or guys with guns, you know, like uh, I just had the worst thought. I hope this isn't the case, but you could basically do a division in Star Wars if you had it be like, oh, here's Coruscant after the Empire's fallen. It's still super shaky and there's different factions oh, yeah. at war with each yeah. other. And it'd be like, yeah. All right, you know, fair enough. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, the, the worst thing that happens in Star Wars is when everyone knows each other. And obviously that completely, there's <laughs> that, there's that like as a viewer, people are like, I know who they are. Like, I understand that reference. I know that character. I recognize that thing. And there's that sort of fan service of like, oh, it's Luke's X-Wing. It's the blue lightsaber. It's the thing you remember. <laughs> they but drank the, the milk. Yeah. But the more it's like, oh, Chewbacca and Yoda knew each other in high school. That's wild. Oh my, it's like, here's Obi-Wan meeting C-3PO. Oh, it's like just this kind of- But like, he forgot. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know, move away from that. And I like the idea of there mm. being, you know, obviously familiar themes and, and concepts we know, but like there's- uh, not to totally dark out here but the the star wars tales of books which are now um you know legends and that they're not canon those were basically um like the tales from the moss eyes the cantina was for the most part sort of a rashomon with you know obi-wan walking into the cantina and slicing off ponda baba's arm and it was like what does that look like from the perspective of like a Jawa who's exacting revenge on stormtroopers that blow up his sand crawler. What does that look like from the perspective of, 
you know, Pondababa's friend, Dr. Evazan, who has the death sentence on 12 systems. Furthermore, how did he get those those death sentences? You know, like it's you explode like the thing that we're very familiar with, first and foremost. And maybe you have that thing blip up there somewhere. But like, again, this is a galaxy like, yeah, go big. Get, get well, and for Those books are the most lore I ever got about Bib Fortuna until recently. And I'm pretty happy about that. Um, like counterpoint devil's advocate but i also don't believe this will happen but it might what if this is centered around the high republic era which i was gonna ask about that yeah they're ramping up significantly this year it is the way they're storytelling with all of that is basically uh completely dissonant in that it's they are not walking themselves into that rat's nest of interconnected best friend uncle yoda jedi chewbacca (laughs) stuff they're just being like here's an era and stories are happening in them like there's books there's uh like comics there's you know they're doing young adult stuff they're doing like they're doing that tv show like one of the shows is basically high republic like there's a lot of stuff in there that could work now you sell 10 million less copies by doing that though like if you go hey we're making uh open world star wars games set in the original trilogy or clone wars or sequel trilogy era you get a lot more people involved, but um, it's more of a narrative rat's nest because you have to pull up the big pin board and be like, where was Han Solo today when this happened? Oh, I, I completely disagree. I mean, remember, what is it? One of your relatives went and saw Rogue One after seeing, you know, The Force Awakens. It was like, where was the ball? Like a yeah. lot of people see Star Wars and they stop there and they're like, that's I'm in. Cool. I mean, look at look at Knights of the Old Republic. Like how many people jumped on that game being like, cool, Star Wars, without realizing it takes place 3000 years before anybody was walking around doing star wars stuff that we're familiar with. like high republic is interesting because it is totally like it is breaking new ground and it takes place what like 200 years before the prequels basically yeah mm-hmm. a couple hundred years so they've got like you know they're gonna introduce some new factions like they're you know they can again it's completely made up they can they can absolutely invent anything they want with within reason but that is kind of nice to have like it's like maybe yoda's around maybe question mark you know i guess kind of like maybe chewbacca i don't know but he's a baby whatever but to have like a complete new sandbox to mess around in that's i imagine extremely freeing but you know again it does have that sort of feeling of like oh like there's no you know there's no bottom there's that kind of like there's that sort of infinite ammo feeling where it's like oh okay well i kind of wish it was a little more connected to things that i was familiar with yeah, yeah just I, not I, not making people best friends or uncles or cousins or whatever like we <laughs> see so often both definitely work i just think you sell more going with the stuff that's more like punch in the face familiar like I, I mean, think, remember, I think, remember Shadows of the Empire? Yeah, of course. That was like the last time they did that. That the whole gamble there being like, can you make a Star Wars movie without the movie? And it was like, here's Star Shadows of the Empire, the game. Here's the novel. Here's the young adult novelization. Here's the graphic novel. Here's the trading cards. Here's the pop up book. Here are the action figures. There's no movie. It's just mm-hmm. it's everything but they they put out a soundtrack for that. <laughs> yeah, it, but that like, also that took what? place be, that took place between two of the most recently and released and popular Star Wars films ever made. So I think it's like, that was risky, but also sort of like, hey, what what was Luke Skywalker doing between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is a question like every every Star Wars fan in history had. But I don't know if they had, you know, what was Yoda doing when he was 700? <laughs> yeah, I think it, the the timeline of where they want to set this really depends on I think also the characters that they're going to want you to play as like if they do if the the playable characters you are as are Jedi then the High Republic makes a lot more sense to place it there and to have you be a Jedi where there's a bunch more Jedi just that's kind of the everyday life whereas setting something that's in the established like Skywalker saga eras that we know 
I can see something more along the lines of a bounty hunter or, um, you know, like the underground sort of like that ragtag stuff that we were talking about. Um, it, it, those options, I can see them going either way and I don't know what will be their choice right now. This is definitely something that's a few years away. And so I think something with like the high Republic, we don't know how big that's going to become for Disney, you know, by 2023, 2024, it's, right. it's still up in the air of how important that will be, or if it'll be a failed experiment, that was a nice try and it just lives in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see where that goes. But I, I did want to sort of ask on the Ubisoft of it all. Um, Lucy, I know you were saying, uh, you know, you haven't had as much experience with the division two, but obviously you've been playing a lot of AC Valhalla. Mm. Uh, I mean, then, I, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, well, no, I was just going to say like AC Valhalla is the first, uh, UB game in a long time. And, you know, I haven't played, I, 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 I only played like seven or eight hours of Odyssey. So I can't really speak to, you know, how we, the, the, the last one, but um Valhalla really feels like uh Ubisoft is starting to understand what makes for a more interesting world um and you know uh primarily in its in its side quests and its characters and how it populates the world with enough variety that you don't feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over again which is always my problem with Ubisoft games on the whole um you know it always felt so plug and play uh, and I and and you know elements of surprise came from the really cool uh, ecosystems that they had, for example, but not generally through uh, storytelling, incidental storytelling, even environmental storytelling, unless it was like Far Cry Three, and you know you were just shooting uh, elephants or whatever you did in that game. It's been a while, um, but but yeah, I think that like I'm, I I have faith that that UB knows how to steer the ship a little better than they did even you know, three or four years ago when it comes to telling uh, interesting, memorable stories minute to minute within these huge open worlds. And that gives me faith for for a Star Wars game. I think, as I said, you know, if it had been even a handful of years ago, I would have been like Ubisoft is the worst publisher to be looking over this. Um, But I think that Valhalla has really given me a, a newfound hope you you pretty much exactly answered my question with that because I, I was going to say like I, I don't think I'm as far as you but the thing that has struck out to me about Valhalla is just how weird the side stories get like all the characters you meet have the strangest requests for you and have the oddest backstories and like that does in the same way of like obviously Ubisoft studios share everything like crazy even if Massive is the lead studio on this there will probably be some sharing in between and there is clearly a like desire to tell weird stories in some of these studios and so I, right. I like that DNA, as you were saying, like getting weird with Star Wars can be so fun. Um, and and don't, don't, you, don't you also think that like just just that this game rewards exploration? Oh, like, you know, yeah. like there is no sort of you don't if you if you go down this hidden path or you discover this cave, there's not just going to be like some loot. Like there's going to be a weird guy with a weird request. Yeah, like, and, and I love that. Yeah, there's like the the variety of it. And it's like sometimes you'll find weird notes about a cult that happened to be in this area or, you know, like you go and meet some nuns in a a side story and you think you're going to go help these nuns. And then it turns out the nuns are the ones who are going to kick ass and you just kind of help watch and stand by as it happens. Like they get really weird and funny with it. And so it it does give me hope for what a Ubisoft uh, Star Wars game can be. And like you said, even a few years ago, maybe those hopes wouldn't quite have been there. 
Um, but obviously the other wrinkle to this, and I do want to get to Indiana Jones in a second, though, is that this doesn't indicate a Ubisoft exclusivity deal. Uh, this is not, you know, we're not jumping from EA to Ubisoft when it comes to only having Star Wars games. Uh, EA also put out a statement um, today alongside that announcement saying, we are proud of our longstanding collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, which will continue for years to come. Our talented teams have created some of the most successful games in the history of the Star Wars franchise, including Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefront, Galaxy of Heroes, and Squadrons. We love Star Wars and look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. And Brian, I think you had mentioned it, you know, like, undoubtedly the history of ea and star wars is mired in the bad press that it has had the the very public cancellations the studio closures the microtransaction debacles like there is no way to remove that from the history of ea and star wars but the last couple years they've put out a pretty good string of games and supported those games really well and for me at least and i'm curious to hear from all of you but brian i'll start with you i think this is the best of both worlds where we can still get the continuation of the ea star wars games that worked out and when it doesn't work, it's not all on their shoulders exclusively. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, when they were canceling games left and right, that just meant now we have to wait years and years for more Star Wars games. And honestly, until Respawn stepped up and was like, hey, we are making a dedicated, like, single player, story driven, third person action game with no microtransaction shit in it. That was the best news possible. And it came out of left field and it was because you know, that that studio had clout within EA and was able to fast track something like that. And the cool thing about this is that they have the groundwork down, like they have engines down, they have formulas down for all of these games. Like when you make a sequel to Fallen Order, which they will make, um, they don't have to reinvent the wheel on it. They don't have to go, what does this look like? How does this perform? You know, how do we sort of kitbash you know, a little bit of Sekiro and a little bit of Zelda and a little bit of Metroid and a little bit of Tomb Raider and a lot of Star Wars into one game. Like they've solved that already. They could just go, let's just get in the ship and go to like nine new planets, fight a bunch of horrible bog monsters and a rancor and <laughs> shit like that and have a good time. And so that, I think that's great. Like that's, I want more of those games, but I don't want them to just go, we have everything. That's EA has been notorious for years on monopolizing licenses. And it is almost always yielded negative results for the consumer because the consumer deserves choice. And by removing that, um, you're stuck with one franchise when it's whether it's baseball or football or you know any golf or any of those things. Star Wars, you don't want one comp- one publisher to have all the power there because it limits the amount of, of of products we can get. It limits the amount of stories that can be told. And so, keep what works. And for everything else, give it to anyone else on earth who's willing and ready and talented and capable. And there's, there's, Star some, Wars. there's some irony about talking about monopolization when we're referring to Disney. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, like within the one entertainment property that exists on the planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because you look at how Disney handles the Star Wars license in regards to like collectibles or merchandise, and they mm. farm that thing out. They're like, right. I want to say I don't even at, at least at least half a dozen different companies manufacture Star Wars action figures. And that's just action figures in sh- like there's different companies handling shoes like it's just they and they let it they kind of like, OK, what do you got? Like, obviously, you got to follow this to follow the style, style guide. And like, you know, you can't just churn out total crap. But like there's a certain amount of kind of like, let's see what people come up with. Like, let's offer, you know, again, it's going to be it's all, you know, all money roads lead to disney at this point apparently but like even if that's the case it's nice that there's sort of variety in what we're getting 
Uh, and it's it's weird to see EA being the only one. Like I, I was, I've always been bummed about that decision. And I think, like Brian said, Battlefront Two did eventually kind of write itself. But for all intents and purposes, the Battlefront games under EA were very much designed by committee. Like they felt very much like here's a, we need to make a Star Wars game that appeals to everybody. And this was, I think, especially noticeable with with Battlefront Two, which could have been you know, a logical, ex, you know, expansion on the first battlefront, but instead they were like, uh, Overwatch is huge. We need to have some hero shooter mechanics in there. Uh, and also people like the prequels. So let's put the prequels in there. And then it's, Oh, and people want a story. So let's have a story in there. And it's like, it's great to, it, it becomes this kind of Jack of all trades, master of none thing. And, you know, they did, they did tweak it and fine tune it eventually, but I hope we get, I hope the future of star Wars games is more stuff like star Wars squadrons, which, you know, I, like I wasn't wild about that game. Like I, I tried to get into it. It's but I, I've never liked space games to begin with. So like, I, it, people did like it. People like space stuff. We're we're into that. And you know if there's, you know if there's a specific type of game that does appeal to me, and they have a studio that's really good at making that kind of stuff, handling that, then that's that's awesome. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. And we we might see you know maybe too many at a point. Like there might be oversaturation, but there's just the chance for that to happen now. And there really wasn't before. And I, I forget who mentioned it earlier, but the smaller developers may get a shot like we could see a super giant the devs of hades possibly get a star wars game now because it's not tied solely to ea uh mm-hmm. and just that prospect alone is exciting to me i mean there was an era where within a couple of years we got uh and these are not all great games but we got the force unleashed force unleashed 2 tiny death star we got uh angry birds star wars we got connect star wars which is terrible and i'm sorry for bringing <laughs> it up but still it's like that's i i want i want that weirdness to be allowed i want that experimentation to happen and it it doesn't happen when one studio controls everything yeah it's it's a really exciting potential and of course the other wrinkle to it that i definitely want to mention before we move on is that lucasfilm games is not just going to be star wars games and they made that pretty clear from the jump because even before the star wars announcement they announced uh, Machine Games is working on an Indiana Jones game. And of course, uh, before getting into all of that, it's of course worth mentioning that Lucasfilm Games previously had made a bunch of adventure-based uh, Indiana Jones games, uh, games like Monkey Island, a whole a whole bunch of uh, acclaimed and maybe not so acclaimed games, but there's a huge variety and a back catalog there that we may see them dipping into uh, as time goes on. But their their first statement was, we're not just Star Wars, we're doing indiana jones with a developer who is famed for making games about shooting nazis so we're probably going to be punching some nazis in an indiana jones game and it's i think it's a really really smart choice because they're picking a talented beloved developer behind an acclaimed series that maybe isn't the best selling you know shooter out there but it's really well loved uh, has a ton of respect with a publisher uh that also has a ton of respect with todd howard producing as well he'll be executive producing um and so it seems like a really great choice it does of course raise the question could that be an xbox exclusive down the line i i mean i think that probably in that was a done deal before the microsoft acquisition so i i I think down the line potentially but i don't think it's going to be xbox uh exclusive off the bat I do just quickly want to say I am so excited for the Indiana Jones. (laughs) So Indiana Jones was my Star Wars when I was a kid. That was the series that I loved. That was the series that we always watched when I was around at a friend's house. Like I watched those movies to death. And it always felt like Star Wars' weird gross cousin had come around. And like that's what we were indulging in. And I love that because that is what machine games has typically always been so good at it being weird and gross. And I, and, and, and also that masters at creating fantastic shooters. 
Um, not that Indiana Jones will be a shooter, but like fantastic linear single player shooter experiences. And I am just so excited for this. Like I could not think, you know, so often we see weird like pairings, like weird studios with weird franchises that it's just like, no, that's not the right choice. You know, we see it in Hollywood, like Nicole Kidman's apparently going to play Lucille Ball. What the hell? What's with that? No way. That is not the right choice. Like, I like Nicole Kidman, but what the hell? Uh, Whereas this feels like one of those perfect marriages where someone's like, this is my wish list. This is who I think would just nail this. And it's a reality. Like, I I love it. I've got massive expectations for this. Probably too high. First of all, uh, I believe Javier Bardem is also in that film. So that I think that could work. That might work. Maybe. I think it, it could work. Um, it could do Desi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, th- this is this is this is really awesome. I, Max and I were texting about this earlier earlier today. Uh, I like. I really hope that this is not a first person game. If it is, I'll still play it. I'll still love it. But um, I, I'm. I, w- I like. I want to be able to see Indiana Jones. I don't want to just see right. Like, way yeah, around me too. And stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. They they have they have excellent writers. They have uh, excellent artists. This is. It's really awesome. There was that um, we were like all sharing that picture today of Todd Howard on a Zoom call with Jeff Keighley two months ago. And in the background is like the idol from, you know, that the Indiana Jones takes off the off the stand that causes the giant ball to chase after him. And then the arc of the covenant is behind him. And then there's like a Notre Dame football help or football. So <laughs> that's unrelated. But no, I just rewatched. All, who knows? I just rewatched all three of these movies. And I guess also that weird fan film that somebody put in the box as well. Strange film that they put there. Um, but no, they're great. They're, they're super fun. They, they mostly hold up really well. Uh, they're a really good time. It's been a very long time since we've had like an Indiana Jones game or especially a really good one. So this, this kicks so much ass. This makes me really happy. When forgive me for misremembering the date, but there was that like canceled Indiana Jones game, right? Like in the mid two thousands. Staff of Kings. was 2007. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I, I feel like I remember seeing an E3 demo of it and then not knowing where it went after. I went but. to a, a Comic-Con panel about that. And the thing they were really excited about in that was the the physics engine they had, which had basically I can't remember what game actually wound up utilizing this, but it was basically uh, I guess it was like procedural like physics for for combat. So like if you punch somebody in the face, they would never fall down the same way. Like it was basically like the the body would react to like whatever oh, was happening to it. It was really, and they had this whole thing where they had like Indiana Jones on this like rope bridge and they were just like, it was totally like just tech demo stuff where they're like, oh, we're going to drop a bunch of rocks on them. They're just dropping like a ton of rocks <laughs> on this bridge. And I don't know, that game did not come out. I wish it did. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they were focusing on the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Indiana Jones does have not, not quite to the degree Star Wars does, but it does have its, you know, own pedigree of, of video games behind it. Um, I was on Jared Petty's podcast, the top 100 games of all time or whatever. And I think I was like number 74 or something. And I talked about uh, Indiana Jones and the um, fate of Atlantis, which is the point and click game. that was an entirely original from the ground up story, which is honestly one of my favorite Indiana Jones stories. It's all about, you know, a mysterious metal called Oracalcum and Plato's lost dialogues. And it's just the right amount of like, you know, made up nonsense and actual history kind of melded together. And, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what Machine Games does. I hope that it's, I hope that it's not a straight shooter. But I mean, a, a, even Wolfenstein isn't quite just a straight shooter. Like, there's definitely a large chunks of that where you're shooting Nazis by the, you know, by the barrel load. But there's still like little bits of stealth, and there's like, there's some, you know, a lot of dialogue stuff. Like, there's there's all that kind of first person um, storytelling, which is cool. But yeah, I mean, 
I think it's it's easy to jump to the conclusion that this is automatically going to be a first person shooter just because we've only seen machine games make first person shooters. But conversely, look at Respawn. Yeah. For the longest time, when you said Respawn right. games, all you could picture was like Titanfall, Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends. And then suddenly they're like, oh, no, Jedi Fallen Order. There's, yeah. there's a third person game. So Guerrilla Games, same deal. Yeah. I think I, I think the thing, the scene for me that like I just want to just jump back to how perfect they are in, in, in regards to like story for this game the scene that makes me think that this that this is the right fit is that hitler scene and wolfenstein 2 that that weird gross hitler scene which is just like so appalling and hilarious and completely messed up and it that's you could have pulled that from an indiana jones movie you could that could have been straight from an indiana jones movie already you know they um I, I'm curious then, Lucy, do you think they should because obviously the Wolfenstein games get pretty M rated, like they earn that rating for sure. Do you think that they'll probably have to go a little more family friendly with indie? Like I know you were saying obviously it's a series that's known for having weird aspects, but that in a in an earlier movie going time when I think things were allowed in PG movies that aren't really allowed these days. Do you, do you think they'll have to soften it a little bit or do you want to see them kind of try to push? Well, it's a tricky line to tread, isn't it? Because like the thing is, is, you know, what makes up the Indiana Jones DNA is that like grossness. I mean, I thought kingdom of the crystal skulls was just terrible. I was sitting next to Peter Jackson at the time as an incidentally, so I barely concentrated because I was just paying attention to what he was eating. That's, that's not because of the job. That's because there's like 14 people who live in New Zealand, right? Correct. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Um, that was truly just a coincidence. Uh, but like, you know, so much of Indiana Jones is that it pushed those that envelope. It, 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 it was profoundly disgusting. You know, for they any were- kid growing up in the 80s. You know, you would have nightmares about scenes in those movies. They ripped a man's heart out of the, uh, his chest in that movie, and it's still beating in his hand. You know, they and, his- and the and the man is still screaming and alive. <laughs> I mean, like the thing is, is like that's that is to me such a big part of 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 that series. And yeah, I know that times have changed, and that you know, eighties that family friendly movies aren't, aren't what they used to be. Um, but I would prefer to see a more M rated Indiana Jones. Uh, leave behind the, the the family kind of trappings and and lean more into what actually makes up an Indiana Jones experience. So that's I want to see the gross in the core. That's a really interesting thought. I would, I I feel like video games just by default are they skew way way more gruesome just and way more sort of profane than movies typically do. And I I would say that the T rating is kind of more akin to. I mean, there there almost needs to be something between t, like T and T and M, you know, there's because right. M is like Mortal Kombat. You're like punching Sub-Zero in the nuts, which are bones for some reason. And then they're exploding. And like if you made a if you made a video game with the sense, that's not how nuts work. Some in some cases, <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> um, it's where the P is stored. Um, but no, it. <laughs> If if you made a, a video game with the sensibilities of the original Indiana Jones movies, that would easily be an M rating, like pushing yeah. a dude into a propeller and having him turn into blood like that's that's super like melting Nazis. Like you can't put that in like in, you know, in Fortnite, like that's, that's su- super gruesome, but <laughs> don't give them be, any more ideas. Yeah, it would be <laughs> melting Nazis. Um, I, I mean, I at the same time, you also you can totally. You can still have that level of like of of violence without it being like overly, you know, gruesome and, and, and gory. I think they could easily do a T rated, you know, a T rated Indiana Jones game that has a lot of the same sensibilities and a lot of the same 
you know, the same amount of action. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how that's how that's handled. I want yeah. it to be filthy. Now, Dono, <laughs> you 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 mentioned that you haven't seen any Indiana Jones movies, right? I mentioned it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, well, we're dragging you on this podcast. Here too, we right? go. Yeah, <laughs> I literally like I. I looked at the announcement. I saw that. I was like, oh, cool. I've never watched these, but hopefully I'll like this. And then went to go make coffee and didn't give it a second thought and just came back. And everyone was like, kill him. Like it was mobs of pitchforks. Wait, wait, so you've played, way, you've played all the Uncharted games. Yes. And the Tomb Raider games. And, and the Tomb Raider, but you haven't. Haven't seen the source material. No. Yeah. Um, so I like any Indiana Jones illusions for me come from gifts that I see on Twitter or scenes recreated in the Simpsons or something, or, you know, probably I've seen a clip or two around, but uh, for me, I have no basis in that series other than he has a hat and a whip. Um, there's a, sh- a short round. Is it? Is that? Yes. The character. And, and, and look, I'm, I'm really sorry for bringing all the Temple of Doom discourse <laughs> to your table. Oh, please, it's fine. <laughs> once you once you mention that movie, everyone has an opinion. So, yeah, Do, well, it's uh, like. Sorry, Dormus, what 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 animal does he not like? Oh, uh, snakes, right? He doesn't like. Snakes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. I, I thought snakes. you were going to say something great like cheetahs. Like, so monkey. <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of interesting <laughs> if you actually watch them because again they've so many so many of the sort of highlights have been you know done to death in both in parody and in reference and in you know in 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 gifs but there's a lot that happens between all of those I, I rewatched um 2001 A Space Odyssey after like growing up on The Simpsons making constant <laughs> 2001 references yeah. and it's all of the stuff that happens between the things where I knew what was going to happen is like super jarring and like completely took took me by surprise like there's so much stuff that inevitably there's going to be something in indiana jones that you didn't know was coming and it's going to be i'm so excited to hear what you make of it but oh yeah no they're they're definitely on my to watch there was a similar thing for me within college was the first time i saw the godfather but you know like growing up on long island the the town i grew up in was where the actual like based on the events of like the toll booth shooting uh happened and so like all i would hear about in real life was like oh yeah that's around where that happened and things like that and references to all these scenes and so watching it was like oh there's a lot more going on here than just like a a killing and a horse's head in a bed like there's much more to it than that uh so i'm excited to see godfather where a killing happens (laughs) well like you know so i'm excited to see more than the the giant uh the giant boulder that uh Troy and Abed recreated in their apartment community uh, and is in the Disneyland ride. I'm excited to see what else happens in the movie besides that. You've been on the uh, ride? Yeah, I've been on the ride. That, oh, that God. Ride's great. oh, well, that's, that's the whole trilogy. So you already oh, know it. I'm good. I know it. I'm fine then. Yeah. Who, who, it's a really fun ride. I like it a lot. It's a good um, ride. Yeah, but uh, it's... You know, they made some movies based on that ride. You'd probably enjoy watching. <laughs> oh, the the upcoming Uncharted movie with uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, I'm excited oh, for that. Oh, God boy. <laughs> yeah, that's just the, the snake eating its own tail at some point, uh, the Uncharted movie. But anyway. I uh, hate snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Nate never says that. What are you talking about? Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> before we get mired in too many angry emails at us, uh, obviously there's... These are, you know games that we'll be talking about in the future a lot and we don't have them as you know playstation specific or even ps5 specific games but they are uh 
undoubtedly the biggest thing to hit, I think, the gaming industry at the start of this year. So it's really, really exciting to see the potential there. And as we said, Lucasfilm will hopefully be more than just the Indiana Jones and the Star Wars games we've heard about. I, I think there'll be a lot more to this story as we go seeing it forward. So much in the same way Marvel has given us a lot to talk about in the gaming uh, world, I hope we get to hear a lot from Lucasfilm games in the years to come. Um, but before we wrap up the show, because I realize we're running a little late, I do want to uh, quickly bring up a memory card story because we got a, a couple nice ones in recently. Uh, a, a very bittersweet memory. Uh, of course, memory card is our weekly segment where you, the listeners and viewers at home, write in with wacky, weird, sad, happy, funny, whatever memories of your gaming life. And we read them on the show. Uh, we got a really sweet one in. Um, just yesterday that I want to read. This came in from Bob, uh, and Bob wrote in and said, Hey, Beyond Crew, like many kids in the early 90s, gaming was my life, but luckily for me, my mom enjoyed video games just as much as I did, so I always had a partner to game with. We loved playing platformers together and made it our mission to rent and beat a new one every every weekend. Excuse me, it became a routine. Side note, she also had a hidden skill. Remember those annoying game mechanics where you had to hit two alternating buttons repeatedly to build up a meter? She would max it out every time with maniacal glee while while my feeble attempts barely moved the needle. Uh, As I grew older, our gaming binges became less frequent. My mom struggled as video games evolved from 2D to 3D, and I was becoming an angsty teenager with changing interests. Still, I missed the old days and wanted one last chance to share our favorite pastime together. It was only a matter of time before I came across Klonoa on the original PlayStation. As a 3D platformer with 2D side-scrolling movement, it was the perfect blend of styles we could both enjoy and enjoy it we did. We beat it in a single weekend, and that would actually be the last time we ever gamed together. In many ways, it was uh, signaling the end of my childhood. My mother passed away recently, so this memory is bittersweet, but it's one I'll never forget. Thank you, Mom, for the gaming marathons that brought me so much joy as a child. And thank you, PlayStation, for that final bonding opportunity between a boy and his mother before it was too late. Wishing you all a happy and healthy 2021, Bob. Uh, and Bob just wanted to say thank you for sharing that with us and uh, for sharing, obviously, both a, a bittersweet memory for you and especially as someone who gamed a lot with their mother growing up, especially platformers as well, uh, and, and have similar memories of beating platformers in a weekend with her. Uh, that that memory card obviously struck a nerve for me. So thank you so much for writing and being willing to share that. Uh, and of course, if you at home have a memory you want to share with us, whether it's happy, sad, funny, whatever, feel free to write it in. We we keep them anonymous if you want us to. Um, but you're always welcome to write in to beyond at IGN.com. Please write in with the subject line memory card, and we are happy to share those on the show each week. Uh, and thank you to everyone who continues to write in with those. We'll read them as we go through the year. Um, but that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this week uh, of Podcast Beyond. We obviously uh, talked quite a bit about Indiana Jones and... Uh, you know, that little thing called Star Wars, but we'll have plenty more to talk about uh, in the weeks to come, especially as new games come out. Before we wrap up, though, uh, anything that you all been working on that you want to plug? Lucy, I'll start with you. I I, I can't, I can never really answer this because I don't really write anything anymore. So uh, any, again, Dorno, probably your op-ed that I'm currently editing right now, please check it out. Yeah, we'll we'll work on that after the show as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's that. Uh, Max, anything on your end that you want to? So I've been to? I've been hosting a show and you know adding little tidbits and jokes here and there with the uh, dude Jesse Gill here at IGN. Uh, it's called Cannon Fodder. It's basically kind of a uh, we did the entire season two of Mandalorian, and now we are shifting gears to WandaVision. So if you're one of those people who wants to kind of unpack whatever is happening in the latest episode of the latest nerdy Disney Plus series, that seems to be the show that you should be watching. And uh, I'm excited to you know, do some, some deep, deep nerdy dive stuff on that. So I think the first episode is going up later this week, but keep an eye out for it. 
Yeah, Disney Plus really went from doing Mandalorian once a year to now a show every week for the in perpetuity, it seems. So yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty there. Actually, Dordo, just quickly, I just remembered another thing. We have uh, your, again, something you wrote, uh, the big giant timeline of PlayStation 4, which was an enormous mammoth effort that I think we were all involved in in some some degree. Uh, That is going up really soon. I think by the time this publishes, it'll be live. So please check it out. It's a great read. It's a a great watch. Um, It's a great ride. (laughs) <laughs> but now it's over the ps4 now was- it's over um no brian anything else also from you that you want to share uh we just put together a video of basically everything happening star wars this year so across every single medium um not toys but we should have thrown that in there uh so look out for that if you're looking for more star wars stuff that isn't just tv shows and comics and but bo- and everything but movies since we're not getting those for a long time sadly and i I just started reading The High Republic, so hopefully it's good. Uh, but other than that, yeah, as, as Lucy mentioned, check out uh, the pieces that she referred to. And of course, you can also check out Beyond every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. You can find us otherwise on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. And Max is at Max Scoville. Uh, thank you all for joining me for this week. Glad to see all of your faces in the new year. Uh, and thank you, of course, to our producer, Red, for producing the show and helping it actually go up. <laughs> thank you for all that. you Thanks, do, Red. Uh, and other than that, thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. 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 Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes.